Welcome back to another Ag Watchers. Another quick marker update from myself, Andrew, and Matt. Matt, we thought we'd just do a quick one because we haven't we haven't been here. We've been away. We've been travelling. We've been we have, uh, on the road on the road again, like bur- uh, Willie Nelson, burning uh, rubber. You know, spending fortunes on fuel. So we thought it was time to just do. Didn't get time to book a guest for this week, so we thought we'd just have a bit of a, a chat amongst ourselves. Didn't have time to do the spaces either. Uh, so we thought we'd just have a quick chat and update people on the market. It's been very hectic for us. Uh, like you said, Andrew, when, you, when you're out on the road, it doesn't take much before you get behind the eight ball on, on all the other stuff you're trying to do. Start playing catch up. That's it. Especially when you're, you know, when you're in the media a lot like us. I've got to go to my makeup trailer for uh, when, I'm on Phoenix, <laughs> when I'm on Phoenix TV, when I'm talking oh. to the masses in the Chinese Communist Party. I was. Uh, I have to admit, I, I felt like when we we're out and about on the road there in South Australia, I felt a little bit like you're um, batting away all the people coming up for your autograph and that. Now you're on Sky News, and I wonder if that's just because I look like one of the Red Wiggles with my with my Rangers top on. So <laughs> the big things happening. Sorry, two big things happening. We'll, we'll talk about the grain bit in a bit, but probably the interesting one from the cattle is those floods up in. Uh, Queensland and New South Wales. I read somewhere that was going to cause real problems with the the sheep and getting access to sheep. <laughs> yeah, look, it's um, it, there are there are some um, a small handful. I think there's about I'd be nearly six and a half thousand sheep and lambs, according to ABS, in all of those areas affected by the flood. So you're not talking a big sheep area. Six and a half thousand thereabouts. So about um, about one Western Victoria farm. <laughs> yeah, look, they're not. It's 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 it's, it's a, been a, a huge disaster, of course, for anyone oh, um, affected. Affected, yeah, you know, and and a lot of them in the town, of course. But yeah, I mean, there, there were some reports of a, a dairy farmer at Lismore that lost about half his herd of dairy cattle. Um, there's been pockets of other people with losses as well. But even from a dairy, um, uh, sorry, a cattle perspective, including dairy and beef, um, all of those areas probably account for about. Um, you know, 475,000 head of cattle in across the main six zones that were affected by the flooding. So you had three zones in Queensland, southern east Queensland. You had three zones in north, east and new south Wales. So in total, 475,000 head of cattle, which is about um, 2% of the, of the herd. Um, but, the, yeah, in terms of the sheep flock, the numbers there are negligible, 6,500. Uh, so, so it's a bit like saying, you know, there's a storm in Victoria and it's impacting the air peninsula crop it's kind of negligible really and i think that's that's the key thing is to look into that data you know first first view first sign you think oh that's going to cause a big big issue that's going to make it hard for sheep to get to market or whatever but if there's not many sheep in that area then that's what the data that's why the data is important i guess you know you've got to back up your view by evidence and data as just... And look, the biggest, and, and even, I mean, there were definitely there were some farmers that were impacted um, and, and continue to be impacted um, by all accounts that the, you know, there hasn't been as much of an impact on the livestock. Quite a few of them were able to get animals to higher ground or, or remove them. So it's certainly nothing like what we saw in the 2019 North Queensland floods where there was an estimate of around 600,000 head of cattle lost 
uh, not just affected. Um, but we did see um, that that area of southeast Queensland, um, the, the big one of the big processes in the country really is that JBS one at Dinmore. Um, that that was closed down for a number of days, uh, and uh, and there were other processes in the area. I heard that was about. Uh, in that area, about 10,000 head of cattle get processed. Um, so it's a reasonable amount. Yeah, so it's a reasonable amount. Um, and we did see the numbers for processing in Queensland uh, that kind of dropped uh, by about 25% from the previous week in terms of volume. So definite impact there. Um, not so much of a drop in New South Wales and Victoria, of course, because you know, the, the processes in New South Wales were we're not in those zones really they're, they're more kind of you know into the larger part of the state and obviously victoria not not affected at all um and and a lot of our anyone that follows our stuff andrew would know that um you know 50 percent of land processing is done out of victoria on any given year so hey, um, everybody in the industry would know that yeah 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 oh well you know you think that but um yeah so so the biggest biggest kind of issue was really the, the cattle side of things um for that for that part but in terms of price impacts we haven't seen a great deal um the, the cattle market's been a bit mixed the ecchi is kind of crept back up to that you know 1120 type area but it's been pretty much traveling sideways for about three weeks or more now uh just above that 1100 cents um you know, heavy steers, you know, still hovering around that 450 cents a kilo live weight. So cattle markets have been trading pretty much sideways. Um, lamb markets have come off a little bit on average, I guess, over the last week, about you know, 10 to 20 cents across categories. Uh, and mutton's been sideways. So, you know, there's been a small price impact, uh, but I think the pricing impact for lamb is more just some, some numbers coming forward after after um, you know, processes have got back up and running again with, with COVID workforce problems in the south being ironed out. So there's a few more numbers flowing at the sale yard, fewer numbers going to abattoirs. So the numbers, those numbers have seen the pricing ease just a little bit. That's about it, really. All all the action, really, Andrew, is um, what's happening offshore and wheat markets and, and uh, input markets, which um, I'm sure you'll be able to give us a rundown on. Look, I think it's it's been quite an interesting sort of two weeks really we spent we, we picked a good day to go away and uh, we were in port perry presenting on grain markets and like a 101 of grain markets and that was probably we got a big crowd there i think we got about 60 or 70 people um but i think obviously at the moment everybody's talking about grain markets that's the uh, that's the talk of the town so to speak and we've uh, we've sort of been getting a lot of calls from from a lot of people within the industry and, and sort of out with the industry looking to find out what's happening uh, i feel just, i feel like a bit of a i feel like a bit of an orphan mate no one no one cares about livestock <laughs> at the moment it's all even when we're at uh, presenting at port Perry, yeah i was just holding your bag and you know kind of collecting your things for you i wasn't really <clears> able to do much you were just fi finishing off the barbell and whatnot <laughs> but um but that's that's the thing at the moment and that's the thing i guess that's the thing with us working together on you being livestock me being grains there is times when it's going to be busy on grains and there's going to be times when it's busy on on livestock and that's i think that's probably a benefit to us as a as a as a partnership so yeah but going on to it, the trip is good good to see a lot of people uh, good to see what the nightlife in murray bridge is like at two o'clock in the morning in uh, on a sunday night um, but but the reality is though if things are things are there's, a, there's a two stages to the grains market at the moment 
we've got the overseas market yeah gone absolutely bonkers yeah just just so volatile and i normally get annoyed when people say that a market's volatile when it's going in one direction <laughs> because people confuse and we've had this argument before that people say oh the market's gone up you know so many dollars in so many days that's so volatile no that's not volatile that's the opposite of volatile because it's only going in one direction mm. but the market in the last week has been quite volatile so i can use that in the appropriate sense and to look at you know cbot futures it's just madness the range that it's traded in you know first of march so a couple of days after invasion chicago wheat futures for for may 507 dollars a ton 7th of march 715 aussie dollars a ton record levels 10th of march 500 and $36 a ton. Now that's a bigger range than you would normally see in a whole trading year. Mm. And this Not, is and often those days it's been going lock limit up, you know, lock and limit then, down. And then and then lock limit down. So it's it's like uh, you know, everyone's everyone's a buyer and virtually no sellers, and then all of a sudden they turn around to being everyone's a seller and virtually no buyers. So it's a really peculiar. I mean, look, it's it's typical of, of it's markets. Typical, it's typical of a market when there's an issue, when there's an mm. emergency. Yeah, we we don't know what's happening, so all it takes is a is, is a little bit of information to move it. I think. Look, I still don't think it's over. Like the reality is that there's no ceasefire. Uh, there's no sign of things changing. Like we've got, from a grains point of view, you've got uh, big sales into uh, some Middle Eastern countries overnight, which were extremely expensive. You've got countries in Europe who are trying to limit exports. You've got Ukraine have said they're not going to export anything because they want to keep bread for the uh, supplying the army. Russia's the same. Uh, so you've got a situation where nothing's really changed to make that market fall down. But I think when we look at the physical market, that tells the story. And the physical markets always tell the truth, really. And that hasn't moved barely one iota. So you've got, you know... A couple of days before the invasion, Quinana, $355 a ton. Day of the invasion, 367 Hits a peak of 400 and then back down to 380 But you're talking, that's the sort of pricing level that those sort of numbers are not out of, that sort of movement in price is not out of the realms of possibility for just a normal average trading period. We um at, at the actual at the actual presentation, you having there was quite a few growers that were querying Andrew, you know what what we've seen this global or the futures price the global price go up significantly, but but no impact really to the Australian you know physical price um, or negligible impact, and so obviously basis has gone massively into the negative, but there was quite a few queries as to you know why why is why is basis been able to go so negative why isn't the Australian physical pricing kind of keeping up even even partially with what's happening globally? Look, and it's definitely a question that should be asked. You know, the the reality is that let's give you an example. We're actually looking at we're actually looking like we've got quite a good basis yesterday. $156 a ton. Negative. Which is a hell of a lot better than it was last week when we're $287 a ton negative in Quinana. But the reason why, like there's a couple of reasons. One of them is I think the futures market has actually become sort of disentangled from the physical market. And that's something we've been said. We had said it on a podcast with Masha 
back in January, we said we don't think the market, the physical market is actually as interlinked with the futures market as it should be. So a lot of speculators, uh, not necessarily physical users of the goods, potentially driving a bit of that. But but secondly, big crop in Australia, not much in the way of shipping slots. So it's not that you can just go and buy a boat, load it and go. You, there's, there's not any more capacity. But I think when you've got margins like these, when you've got such big differences between, say, what is going into Egypt or Tunisia versus the price in Australia, I think from my point of view, when you start to look at those kind of levels, you know, 200, 100, even 100, $200 a ton, you start to think, well, can we get a mobile ship loader? Oh, unprofessional. unprofessional. Uh, can I get a ship loader? Can I, you know, use a wood chip loader like Esperance or Albany with, with CBH? When you've got $200 on the table, you can find a way to, 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 to get the logistics flowing. Uh, but what concerns me probably more so is new crop. You know, new crop is heavily discounted. You know, if we look at ASX versus CBOT, you know, it was 80 to 90 dollars a ton discount for new crop. That's a that's a surplus crop basis level. That's a huge crop basis level. So basis is driven by supply. That is saying there's going to be huge supply at the end of this year uh, with the new harvest. We don't know. Could be could end up being a drought. It looks good just now, but it could be a drought. So I'll be more concerned with, with, with new crop and people thinking it's a good price, but not realizing that it's a heavy, heavy discount. Mm. Uh, look, the other thing is, is inputs. Inputs are going absolutely crazy. You know, we, we drove to Port Perry, which was, what was that? Pretty much 24 hours in the car, just the two of us. Mm. That was a nightmare. Bloody, you taste the music. Uh, but the reality is that was an expensive trip, really. Uh, you know, four tanks of fuel to Hilux. And, you know, my petrol station here is two, uh, 215 cents a litre for, for diesel. And it was 160 a week and a half ago when I topped up before we left. Mm. The prices so, when you're when you're over there in South Australia, the prices are nudging around that $2, $2 a litre. But uh, I did see on, on social media, I think it was Matt Brand put three, out a... $3. Three, yeah, $3, $3 something in... Yeah, but that's up there. That's that's really pretty remote. That's like the Kimberleys, wasn't it? Yeah, somewhere up there in non territory. So, but but no, but the other thing about this input thing and, and you, you, the invasion of Ukraine is just energy. Crude oil's gone through the roof. Coal's gone through the roof. Gas has gone through the roof. And anyone that there's not that many people that listen to either of us, but anyone that does listen to either of us or has taken a time to read any of our stuff would know that energy drives our ag markets. And the reality is that gas and coal make fertilizer, they make chemicals, and they make the diesel that we use to drive our trucks and whatnot. And they've all gone through the roof. And I think that's a, a major concern as we move forward, because we started to see the end of 2021, we started to see prices creeping down and then all of a sudden we've had Putin come along and blow things up. And what has effectively happened is we're starting to see urea prices start to creep up and up and up. Uh, and that's that's become a major concern. And look, there's rumors at the moment that farmers in, in Victoria who have been a couple of days late over their contracted period to collect fertilizer have been told, uh, yep, you can collect it, but that's gonna be $500 a ton because we're 
defaulting on your original contract, which I think, look, there's nothing illegal about that. That's not against the law to do that. If you've got a contract term that says you must collect by the end of February and you don't, and they can then sell it on somebody else for you know $500 a ton more, they're legally within their rights to do that. That's There's nothing legal illegal about that at all. There's no one you can report that to. But I would say it's a bit morally bankrupt to do that. And I would say it doesn't pass the pub sniff test. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you've done a contract. Okay, you're a week late for, for collection. Uh, I think, you know, holding people in default over that farmers who are already paying a lot of money anyway, regardless, is is quite morally bankrupt. And it's what what they what they've actually kind of purchased in as well would have been at, as the prices were going up, they would have had those shipments coming already organised. So it's not like they've had to pay some of those high prices to, you know, to to, well, or, you well, know, to offset or something. Well, we always hear that they back to back everything, so they don't mm. bring they don't bring anything in unless it's somebody's bought it. But it's just a case of look, it's the same in grains. Let's say, for instance, you're you're a farmer and you're delivering to a dairy farm yeah or whatever it is yeah and but they haven't been able to collect whereas it could be a port actually you could be a they might not call upon it might be buyers call they might not call upon it to the end of the month but you've got 15 days on a buyer's call contract you could put them in default and say well i can sell this grain into the market for an extra 20 dollars a ton why am i going to deliver mm. but we generally don't do that because we want long-term relationships mm. and i think especially when fertilizer has been so heavily looked at this year. And like we're saying, it's only rumors. We don't know if that's the case yet mm. that this is happening, but conversations I've had have point towards, you know, defaults occurring. And there's a, a few tweets out there on it. And look, it's it's not the best way to uh, gain long-term customers, I guess. Isn't that, I mean, one of the things that farmers, you know, speaking to them, they've said that, you know, that the... The grain price, or we've got this negative basis, massive negative basis. The, the local grain price hasn't reflected the, you know, the the overseas grain price. But when it comes to things like inputs that they're paying for, that the prices seem to respond. Certainly, when the prices are going up, they respond a lot quicker to those. Oh, those that's, up there. that's the big. <laughs> um, that's, that's the big thing we've been saying for the whole year is that the reality is that we're coming into a period where this market could collapse. The grain market could easily lose a hundred dollars a ton, easy, on the overseas markets in CBOT, if there's a ceasefire, if peace prevails, it will lose that. But you've already paid for your inputs. You've already paid for your diesel. You've already paid for your fertilizer and your chemical. So you're paying high and you're selling low. That's the potential. At the moment, we just have no idea. We're speculating. What Putin does is is what in his little mind at the moment but but you are right you know we that's the big question a lot of farmers are having is a cost price squeeze something we've spoke about a lot and that inputs are increasing but grain prices at what point does it you know become proper margin squeeze well and i think the other thing the lack of transparency like you know grain pricing there's some level of you know much more transparency around what the prices are and so oh, it's 100 you know, transparency you know yeah. but, but, but in but in the fertilizer or the chemicals side of things virtually no transparency so oh, chemicals you know, no chemicals is just transparency there now 
you got people like FBN. Uh, oh yeah, yep, also, that's true. David Evans, he's yep. They've got their uh, their prices transparent. I got an email from the other day telling me that I can buy glyphosate for them from them for uh, twelve dollars fifty for a thousand liters. Uh, I got weeds in the garden, but probably not a thousand liters of glyphosate worth. Unless the, unless the glyphosate um, helps to repel snakes, you're not as interested in that amount. Well, if it repels snakes, I'll, I'll buy two drums of it, two isotanks. Mm. But, the, but there are tiers. But, the, yeah, but the fertilizer the, the the, space, is no, there's no real transparency on it. So well, there that's, is. that's part of the problem. Well, well there is. Oh, really? Well, there's, there's us putting stuff out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, although, we get phone, although we get phone calls and whatnot telling us not to, we still do. So... Because it's important for farmers to understand what's happening in the market. We're just reporting on the market. That's all. We're not telling people what to do. But we're just giving them the information so that they can do that. Hence why we have Alexa Chris Lawson on here every couple mm. of months when he's uh, when he's free, just to inform. Anyway, we're waffling now. We've gone on a massive mm-hmm. Hoiberg tangent. True. So, so I think at the moment the market's volatile. We'll see what happens. Uh, if Putin went home, you know it's going to be. An interesting testing time if if peace prevails. Fair so, enough. Yeah. You've wrapped it up, have you? That's it. Wrapped up. Yeah, I think I probably mentioned everything. High All prices right. for inputs, low or reasonable prices for grains. So there we go. And 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 flat prices for meat and livestock. Yeah, pretty boring, really. Well, as much as it's actually an exciting time in terms of for a market analyst like us. It's also at the same time, it's actually quite boring, really, because nothing's really changed. It's all the same. Chemical price, fertilizer price is the same price they were roughly in December, and so are grain prices, and so are cattle prices. So all this action overseas, and it's not really done anything. <laughs> so anyway, let's leave that from here. All right, otherwise, I'll so- start ranting further and further. More further and further down the Hoiberg tangent avenue, and Chris Hoiberg will be very annoyed. He will. So we'll we'll roll it up. Okay, then. Well, uh, have a good weekend. See you when you got nothing on. Ciao for now.